Hi, my name is Karen, and the Old Testament reading is found in Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves, as a father, the son in whom he delights. The word of the Lord. Hello, my name is Etienne, and the New Testament reading is found in Hebrews 12, 5 through 11. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. The word of the Lord. Hi, my name is Randy Johnson. Thank you for standing for the gospel reading found in John 11, 21 through 35. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. The Gospel of our Lord. Please stay standing as we pray. Lord, as we approach your word, we ask that you would humble our hearts to hear your truth, to respond well, and to, as a body, join together by every support and ligament, and all things grow up, and to you, Christ, who is the head, to your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning again. Um, I, my name is Evan Riedel, and it is a pleasure to be back. 
if, you, if you know me, you've maybe noticed that I was gone for like two weeks. If you don't know me, you're like, I don't know who you are anyway, so it doesn't matter. I didn't miss you, you didn't miss me, and great. Um, we got to have a wonderful fall vacation up in New England, and uh, we got to basically eat our way through the East Coast, and it was brilliant. Does, does anybody else here now, are, I'm able to share in this, do you know the joy of lobster rolls and whoopie pies? Is any, yeah, okay, super cool. Anybody a big fan of Moxie soft drink? The one guy in the back, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we, we got to spend a beautiful time going through the East Coast, visiting, eating, um, seeing friends old and new and family, and uh, it's been great. I've missed you guys, and it's great to be back. Um, we, we wrapped up a, a series last week called, um, that we were going through the Nicene Creed, and we believe in, and this week is kind of a standalone, because next week, Glenn will be back, and he will start a new series about hearing the voice of God, and listening and responding to the voice of God. He, this week, sends his love. He is up at the North, New Life North, so we as New Life Downtown are part of New Life Church, and he is at New Life North this morning, bringing the word to that congregation, and they are blessed by it, uh, but I hope we are equally blessed by having me be able to come and bring the word here today. Um, Back to the vacation part. It was so great. And I was promised when we would go in the first two weeks of October to Maine and New Hampshire and Massachusetts that we would see fall colors that would ruin us forever for the state of Colorado. We saw like two trees that had turned because it was the latest summer ever. And we got there and they're like, oh, sorry, bro. You're killing me, Smalls. But the rest of it was beautiful, let me tell you what. And we look forward to maybe going back and seeing some colors. Because the juxtaposition was we came back here and saw the most brilliant fall colors in Colorado that we've ever seen. And it was just like, where where was this? Up there? Colorado, I love you. It's good to be home. Um, In the midst of that, I want to just springboard off. Who loves fall? Who's, Who's like, favorite season is fall? You just get excited about sweaters and scarves, and pumpkin spice lattes made with real pumpkin now. Come on. I love fall, too. The weather gets cool enough that if I'm hanging and going on a hike, I'm not just profusely hot, you know? And, and the, it, there's a Christmas in the air, and, and, and then there's that breeze that comes in, and you start, you know, sometime in July, you start going, oh, I think it's fall. It was chilly, kind of. Nah, we're waiting on it. Fall has settled into Colorado, and it is a beautiful thing, and I hope if you haven't yet gotten to go out and explore some of fall in Colorado, um, you have like a week left. Go and do it, okay? Don't miss it. One of my favorite things about fall is I think that it helps us remind us that the creator God who has created fall and summer and spring and winter reflects in the natural seasons the fact that there are spiritual seasons in our lives. There are times like the spring when things bud and blossom. We've been waiting through a winter time and they finally come to fruition. There are times like summer when we just bask in the, in the, the beautiful sunlight and the warmth and it's, it's kind of those seasons where you can just stop and look around and there's that, that godly glow about all of it. Like, this is just so good right now. There are times like fall when just the beauty and the colors of God start emanating through and shining through. One of the things about fall, though, is that the beauty of those colors is actually a reflection of change, and change that might not necessarily be change into life, but it's actually change into death. And the leaves are falling away, and the glory that it's, the reason why that it's yellow and red and orange is because it's dying off and preparing for a winter season. 
And I hope with today, we get to slow down a little bit, look at the fall around us, but also recognize that God, creator God, moves in seasons. And maybe pay attention a little bit to, Lord, what is the season right now that I'm either in, that I'm coming into, or maybe that I'm heading out of? And how can I view some of the change that, I mean, it's easy to view change that's good, like, oh man, I was single and now I'm married. It's amazing! But sometimes there's change that's, Lord, I had a job and then I lost it. I, I, I'm grieving something. I heard some news that was horrible. You know, it, life is just really hard right now. I'm working through all of these things. And change becomes something that's difficult, and there's hardships involved in it. And I just I want to take the time today to go through and talk about the season of fall that can point us to just stopping and slowing down and thinking about the season of God and maybe where we're at right now, especially as it deals with change that can be hard and what the Lord does with that, what the Lord does in that, and where we see the Lord working through it, okay? Buckle up. You ready? Perfect. So if you will, who, who brings their Bibles to church anymore? Can I see those? High five to all of those people right now. Just your neighbor, turn, high five. Flip those Bibles or flip with your thumb if you have that phone. Hebrews 12. We're going to land in Hebrews 12 for a little bit, and then we're going to go over to John chapter 11 and talk about change. Hebrews 12 was a scripture that really got brought up to me when I was in college, when I say brought up, I mean the Lord started really working it out in my life. And it starts with this. Endure hardship as discipline, for the Lord is treating you as sons. And what son does not go through discipline? And I remember being in the midst of a season when it was just hard. I, I, was being, I was in college. I was away from family that I knew. I was away from friends. I was making new acquaintances. And it was a really growing time. And I remember the Lord just bringing this one to me and saying, look, there's moments in life when hardships can be directly related to something that I want to grow you in, to a degree of discipline that I'm bringing into your life. And we need to understand that the discipline that God brings is not it's not punishment. It's not hard because he's punishing us. It's hard because he loves us. And he's saying, I'm going to allow or bring about a certain amount of difficult situations, but I'm bringing them about for your good and your growth. So that disciplined by it, you might truly continue to grow as disciples. Discipline and discipleship and how they're connected. And so going into the midst of that, this verse in Hebrews really, really popped for me. And I, th I think we get to moments in life when we can truly say, Lord, what's going on right now? Without having to really question all these crazy things is hard. But I can see it as opportunity for growth. And specifically in this, I want to think that hardship and growth is always present because growth involves growing pains. Sometimes I think we, we as Christians go, I want to grow in the Lord, and he goes, great. Did you know that's going to be a little bit painful, though? Well, well, what do you mean? Well, I mean, just like in the natural, whenever there is growth going on, whenever the mom is pregnant and growing life inside of her, I'm told that it's quite uncomfortable and painful at times, right? When the baby is teething and the teeth are growing in, I'm told that it's just 
painful for both the baby and the parents at that point. You guys remember back when you were, you know, in that pubescent age and you were going through those growth spurts and your joints just hurt? The growth and the accelerated growth and the intense growth brings about pain with it. Or for those of you in this room who are not like me and train for marathons, there is pain involved in the discipline of going through the motions that are needed to be able to run that marathon. Or if you're a weightlifter and you, well, this, I can relate to this one where you don't do it for a long, long time and then you get back to it and you just go, am I willing to be in pain for like the next two weeks because my muscles just hurt? No, not yet. Okay, great. But when you come to that moment where you're saying, I'm going to grow in some physical way, there's always pain involved in it, and when it's intense growth. I think the same is, is true in a spiritual way when we're saying, Lord, I want you to grow me in some manner. I want to, be, to, to grow in the things that are good or eternal or godly or whatever it is, and then we get to it and it's like hard. I want to grow in maturity. Okay, well, I'll give you some situations that give you an opportunity to do it well and to grow in maturity. And then all of a sudden it's hard and we go, oh, I don't know. I was, I was thinking I just wanted the good stuff, but this is painful. There's, there's, there is growing pains involved in this. Yes, but guess what? When you think of it as the Lord loving us, the Lord bringing us into this is going to grow you up in me, in life, it, it starts changing the way that we approach it and saying, Lord, I know it's hard, but you're in this and you're with me. Dr. Henry Cloud, if you guys have ever read the Boundaries book, he's that guy, or Boundaries for Leaders, or Boundaries for Marriages, or Boundaries for Relationships, or Boundaries for Bosses, or any of those Boundaries books. He's that guy. He has a book out there that's called Necessary Endings, where he talks about pruning. And I think one of the things that the Lord really grows us through is through pruning. Because if we're truly wanting to grow in one way, most of the time in life, it's going to require the pruning away of something else. And although the plant can't talk, I'm imagining that a branch that is there connected to it, when it gets snipped off, it would maybe say, ouch. And at the same time, the pruning and the taking away is painful and hardship. It allows for the growth to start happening in a more abundant way. And Dr. Cloud, in his book about necessary endings, talks about pruning, and he, he talks about three different categories in life when pruning is necessary. Number one, when there's overgrowth. There's too many buds, too many branches for the plant to support, and we need to take some of them away so that those that we really want to focus on can grow to their full extent. Two, when there's sick or dying branches within the tree. So the branch is still taking resources, it's taking up time, it's taking up energy, it's taking up our effort, but it's really not producing any sort of growth or any sort of life or fruit in return. And number three thing for pruning that, that Dr. Cloud refers to is when there's a branch that's just dead and it's taking up space and it's pretty much crowding in living branches and not allowing them to grow to the full, full extent and scope that they could because it's literally just dead and taking up space. I want us right now for a moment, if we're thinking about growth and we're thinking about growing pains that endure hardships as discipline and there is pain involved in that, thinking through pruning and saying, Lord, you're going to take something away so that you can grow me up in another way. What are ways in our lives as we're looking at the fall season? And fall is truly a pruning season for the planters, for the garden people out there, right? 
What are ways maybe in our lives that we can stop and look at the season and recognize, am I in a season where you're asking to prune something back? So number one, the overgrowth, the need to narrow our focus. How many of us have what is commonly referred to as FOMO or the fear of missing out? So we say yes to 10 things when we can really only support seven things in our life. We can really only healthfully focus on certain manners of life and we need to start prioritizing them but we can't stop saying yes, and so other things just start crowding in. There's too many relationships to sustain. There's too much serving that I'm doing. Not that serving's bad. You, you guys should all do more serving, but sometimes we say yes too often. We can't say no. It's, it, look, I cannot sustain the amount of things that I'm doing. And it's when we get to these moments that we need to start just looking at life and asking, what am I doing that's good, and what do I need to be focusing on because it's better? What is good, but what is better? And I, I'm, I'm, my life is overcrowded. There's not space. There's not margin. And so I need to start cutting some of it away. I want to bring up this example right now because not only is it fall season, it's also football season. Is it maybe too much? I'm going to, I'm going to speak to some married guys right now. Is it maybe too much if we watch 10 hours of football a week and only spend two hours attending to our marriage with our wife? Is the football necessarily good? No. It's not necessarily bad. Sorry. It's good. I, I like it. It's good for certain things. It's entertaining. It's relaxing sometimes. Whatever. But if there is a branch and a focus of our life, you guys only have so much time in a week, and if you're investing it so much into something that really is just overcrowding your ability to focus on family, to focus on life, to focus on friends, you can throw all of TV in there. Man, I watched 10 hours of TV this week. Great. How many close relationship friendships did you really connect with? Oh, like maybe one. Maybe there's some pruning that starts needing to happen because the good is there, but we're trying to get to better. And weeding that back so that the things of God, the things that are good, the things that are eternal, the people around us can really start flourishing in relationship because we're investing more and more time and resource into them. Another example that uh, I was given was a pastor when we were on our trip. He goes, ah, oh, because we were talking about the sermon, and he goes, you know what? They did a study on the stress level based on how much people watch news. And that there's a direct correlation between how much we watch news and how stressed out we are. That makes sense, because the news is like, it's just fear and chaos, and every now and then they throw in like the one hopeful story, but the rest of it's just information about chaos and destruction and whatever it is. So you can even look at that and saying, is the news explicitly bad? No, it's good to be informed. It's good to keep up on what's going on in the world. But if I'm watching the news more than, let's say, I'm reading my Bible or I'm getting good, uplifting, edifying, encouraging books within me, maybe there's just in that season something that I can start being disciplined and it's hard to draw one back so that something else can flourish in that part of life. Overgrowth, and we need to prune it back. Number two, something in our lives that is sick and dying, that it takes up our resources, but it gives nothing in return. After the first service, this guy, this young guy comes up to me and he goes, bro, you need to preach this point like really hard at 11 a.m. Like, okay, okay. So this is me preaching it really hard at 11 a.m., okay? The only example that I could think of when it was there is a sick and dying branch 
And we've been trying. We tried to nurse it back to health. We tried to get it to a point where we gave it time, we gave it attention, we gave it resources, we gave it whatever it needed. But just repetitively, it was not coming back to life or it wasn't coming back to a return of life into ourselves. The only thing I could think of was certain friendships that I've had in the past. And friendships that maybe started good, started healthy, they they were were an abundance of life, but maybe their season passed and we were trying too hard. I have changed, they changed, something happened where it was so taxing to remain in this friendship that the rest of life was suffering because of it. And that I think we all know, we get to those moments where it's saying, we're not expressing that it's bad, but maybe the season has passed where we have to say, you know what? I need to prune this back because there are other friendships, there are other relationships, there are other things I need to be focusing on right now that God is calling me to and this is a sick part of my life and we need the discipline and the pain that's involved. It's not easy to have some of those conversations but to say, I know what God's calling me to, I know a flourishing and this just isn't that. Number three, the pruning that happens when there's dead branches that are just taking up space. There are so many, so many moments in life where we could say this thing is dead. But I want to just nail down this one part. It's the sin in our lives that is dead. We cannot define sin by any other means than death. And there are too many parts of our lives that if we are are going to grow into the fullness and the character of who God would make us be, into maturity into an abundance of life. Isn't that what Hebrews 12 says? We're landing right there because it says, it's not pleasant, but it's painful. But we need to submit to the Father of our spirits and live. God is calling us to a degree of life, and yet we're maintaining this area of sin. Well, it's just there, and it's not affecting the rest of it. Yes, it is. It is taking up space. It is taking up time. It is taking up things that it, it, it is just dead, and we need to start allowing ourselves to submit to the Father of spirits so that we can live. We need to go through discipline, not punishment, but discipline to say, Lord, it's hard to, to, it's hard to prune that out. It's hard to, I don't want to downplay how difficult it is. Paul says it himself in Romans, the things I do, I don't want to do. The things I don't want to do, I do. I'm constantly in battle. This is tough. But to pay attention and say, Lord, Are you calling me to be faithful to something in which the sin is just holding me back from a fuller flourishment, a fuller experience of your life, a fuller glory, a fuller understanding of you, a a fuller joy, whatever it might be? In light of pruning and growth and discipline as hardship, I want to reread Hebrews 12. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Not punishment, but disciplines. Endure hardships as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Guys, the hardship is normal. If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes it, you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Moreover, we have all had the human fathers and disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of our spirits and live They disciplined us for a little while while they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we might share in his holiness. And no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. You guys ever been in that moment when you're really fighting 
for discipline or you're fighting for growth and it's the growing pains and you're able to say like, Lord, this is painful. And then you read this and you go, oh yeah, no, duh. Like that's part of it. The pain is part of the growth. The pain is part of it all. But later on, however, this is the promise for us today. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. I had a friend who, uh, she had a job situation away from family, away from friends, new city. A lot, of, a lot of unknowns and a lot of hardships that went into that year. And we were just, it was a couple of years ago, and we had just had, had dinner a couple of weeks ago, and she was telling us all about it. And she gets to this one statement, and, although, and those of us who have gone through something of hardship and we've seen the growth can, can resonate with this. I would not have wished that experience upon my worst enemy, but I would not trade it at this point for anything in the world. Because we're recognizing that it is hard, that there is pain involved in going through it, especially when it comes to the Lord pruning something out for the sake of proactive growth. The pruning is difficult, and the growth has growing pains. But the Lord is calling us to it because he's saying, I am desiring life in you and the maturity and the peace and the righteousness that goes through it when you are receiving it, not as punishment, not as, oh, woe is me, but as the Lord can use this to discipline me into holiness. The growth that comes up is the sweetest thing you could ever gain. And though it was hard, you wouldn't trade it for anything. Church, we need to be willing to submit to the Father. Okay. Evan, that's nice. But isn't there a certain degree of hardship in which we can't really attribute unless God is cruel? We can't attribute to God, really. We can't say that he was in me losing my job. He was in me getting diagnosed with cancer. He was in me losing my father to, to death. Or he was, he, he, there's just, it, it is hardship that is just hard. What do we do with that? When I don't, I don't feel like saying ever, Oh, yeah, I'm just going to receive this as growth because God is good and he's going to grow me through the death of my... I think the Lord speaks into that too. If you will, if you have that Bible still, John chapter 11. John chapter 11, in the midst of it, it's Jesus, and he about goes into the upper room discourse and just within a few chapters. And John chapter 11 is when Lazarus dies. Close friend of Jesus brother to Mary and Martha, and he dies. I think we can all agree that the hardship of death and grief is a hardship that it's present and we don't attribute it to God's causing. We attribute it to saying God is sovereign, but he's sovereign over a fallen world. And so the hardship will come because of the fallen state of our humanity, and death is part of that. And so Lazarus dies... And Jesus waits two days, but then he comes to Martha and Mary, and they both come to him, and they both come to him individually, and they both ask him the same question. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. If only. They they just say the statement, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. First, we're going to see how the Lord responds to Martha, and then we're going to see how he responds to Mary. Chapter 20, or verse 21 of chapter 11 of John. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. 
Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. There is a moment when we recognize that the hardship that we're facing is a result of the fallenness of humanity. And Jesus here in addressing Martha, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Yeah, he's going to live again. I know he's going to live again in the resurrection, in that time to come. Don't you know that I am the resurrection, the truth, and the life? And what he does in this moment, I want to just define as this. He helps lift our eyes from our own sovereignty up to the hope in his eternal sovereignty. He helps Martha, in the midst of her grief, in the midst of the hardship, not not be stuck in saying, Lord, I'm looking at the situation, and if only you were here, and it's, I, I can't see past this. I can't understand it, really. I can't control it, really. And God comes in, in Jesus and says, yes, I, I see the situation. But in the midst of it, can I help you raise your eyes a little bit that I am the resurrection. I am the truth. I am still your hope. I am the hope for salvation. I am the hope for life. That's who I am. This, this part of the story really hit home when we were in the hospital with our little son. It happened back in May. He was born. He lost 80% of his blood. He went into a three-day coma, C-section emergency. And in this, in this first few days period, we were being told by doctors, we do not know if he will live or die. We do not know when we pull him off of the breathing tombs and bring him out of this, this coma if he will be able to breathe on his own. And Pastor Glenn and, and our mentor, Ben Woody, they came and they sat with us, they sat with me in a room and we processed all of the crazy things of grief, all of the thoughts that go on, all of the emotions that go on, all of the shock that was happening to us. And we, me, in the situation, I just kept on looking at this going, they're telling me that he might die and I don't know what to do with it. They're telling me I might have a choice whether to put the breathing tube back in or not if he doesn't breathe on his own. They're telling me all of these things right now and I don't really know what to do. And I'm so stuck in the weight of this situation that I feel paralyzed. And the thing that they came in with was an encouragement. Evan, this is the situation that you're in. But can we help you? Let us not forget a God, even if he dies. This baby is God's on an eternal scale, and he will truly live. If he doesn't grow up in the presence of his natural father, he will grow up in the presence of his spiritual father. Can we help you lift your eyes in the midst of the situation, not to forget what's going on, but to remember again a God who is sovereign over it, a God who is in control, a God who is good, a God who is 
he knows? Can we lift it up to a hope and a God who is bigger than the situation and the hardship that we're in? And help raise the level of our viewpoint in that situation. And it was huge. It was huge for us. And it's what Jesus does with Martha in this situation and Lazarus. I see what's going on, and you're grieving your brother, but let us take heart and remember the hope we have in God that he is the resurrection and the life. And that we might have to submit our own sovereignty over the situation that I'm not in control, that I don't know, I can't understand. But I'm submitting it to a God who is in control, who does ultimately know, who does understand. And I can trust him because he's good. The story continues, and he lifts up Martha's gaze to see the greater work of God. But look how he responds to Mary. So Martha goes and gets Mary, and Mary comes out to him. John 11, chapter th- uh, verse 32. Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. So there it is again, the same statement. If you had been here, we know the difference, that it, you could have done whatever it was to get us out of this whole thing. You, he wouldn't have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And what is God's response in this situation? Jesus wept. Jesus wept. It was so helpful in that hospital room to have our perspective lifted and remember, not to say I'm discrediting this because God is ultimately good, but just remember the tension of this is here, but I do trust a God who is sovereign. And yet, in the midst of it, remember that God is with us right there still. The first thing in that hospital situation that Glenn and Ben did, they came off the elevator together, and as soon as they saw us, broken, crushed down by this hardship. They just started crying with us. Glenn saw me, starts weeping, comes and gives me a hug, and said, I'm so sorry. It's not supposed to be this way. And sometimes what we need is that lifting of our viewpoint into the the eternal hope that we have in Christ. But sometimes in the midst of the hardship, what we need is to know Lord, you're actually just still with me. You're, you're, you're just with me. You're grieving with me who's grieving. You, you would come by my side and say, I know it's hard, but I'm with you, and never will I leave you nor forsake you. I'm with you in the midst of this. And guess what? We're most likely not the first ones to get there. If you think about the hardships of Jesus and the suffering he had, he's not coming with a little bit of sympathy. We're meeting him and almost starting to be empathetic with the suffering that he went through. Almost six years ago now, my dad died. Suddenly, unexpectedly, it's the hardest, it's just hard, it's just hard. And he, he died, he passed away two days after Thanksgiving. And so what we were faced with is an entire holiday season, Christmas of 09, 
in just shock and grief, and it's the first time I experienced grief of that nature and that magnitude. And so we're just processing through all this stuff. And I have to tell you, the most non-comforting thing in that moment was when people would come up, and I heard this more than once, it's okay, your dad's dancing with the angels right now. I don't, is that, what? It was no comfort to my heart to be told of some, uh, I mean, I think it's kind of bad theology anyways, but some eternal perspective in that moment. What was comforting to my heart was when people would see me and they would just start crying because they would go, it's hard. And can I just sit with you and I know it's hard? Can we just recognize Emmanuel God, God with us, that sometimes he's going to lift our eyes up to the situation and the hardship and say, look at a greater scale. And sometimes he's going to respond like he does to Mary and moved with compassion just to weep with us. I'm going to invite the band up right now. And even as it's fall season, and even as fall helps us think of change, and change can be hard, and we've been going through this, I want us to create a little bit of space and I'm going to ask a couple questions over us. Because God is in it. Whatever the season, if it's good or bad, if it's easy or hard, if you're rejoicing because life is in full bloom, or you're recognizing that it's a little bit painful and hard because you're going through something, I want to recognize and help us recognize Emmanuel, God with us in the midst of it. Sometimes pruning us, because he's wanting us to grow in some sort of way, and it's going to require a pruning back. Sometimes helping us lift our eyes to see the hope that we have in him. Isn't that Romans? Hardship produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope, and hope does not fail us because of the love of Christ, which has been poured out to us through his Holy Spirit. God with us. And sometimes it's just saying, you know what, you've been in this situation and you haven't really just let me sit with you in it and kind of cry with those who cry and rejoice with those who rejoice. I'm not the God who just says that stuff. I'm the God who does that. I do that with Mary. I, I mourn with those who mourn. I, you lost your job and it's been years of looking for work. Can I just be with you in the midst of that hardship? The diagnosis of cancer came in and it is hard. Can you just recognize that I am still with you and faithful still? So if you would, just close your eyes. I'm going to ask some of these questions in one of those categories just so we can create some space to recognize the seasons and the work of God in our lives. So the number one question, is there something God is calling you to prune away? That space in your life where you know it's too crowded, it's actually sick and it's not getting better, or there is, there is death and sin. What is he calling you to prune away? And on the, on the same note, what is he calling you to be faithful to? What is God saying? This is a season to, to be faithful to growth in these ways, and it takes discipline. And that is hard. But I'm in it all and the reward is worth it.
Or maybe it's that hard season that's just, the world has fallen, our hope is sure of where it's gonna end up in Christ's reign, but it's still hard. Is there something right now that you need to entrust to God's sovereignty? To say, Lord, I truly don't understand this, but would you help me just lift up my eyes and my perspective and in the midst of, I got the hard part, remember that there's hope as well. And the last question I want to ask, is there something you need to know that God is with you in the midst of? It's darkness all around and I haven't seen the light for days. It's, it's hard and I haven't felt comfort. It's painful. And I just want somebody to sit and cry with me through it. Lord God, would you fill the situations so that we would know Emmanuel, God with us. That we would know that you are here. That you are sovereign. that as Hebrews says that we would trust our heavenly father submitting to you the father of spirits that we might truly live 